Hi Posse, it's Kim, bringing you a conversation with fibre artist Victoria Connors. Please excuse the audio quality. We experienced internet difficulties, which affected the quality of the audio. Remember to support Art Supply Posse, head over to patreon.com forward slash art supply posse and become a member. Members get exclusive content and help us to keep bringing you the podcast. I do hope you enjoy this episode with Victoria Connors. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim here today. I'm really excited to be bringing you an interview with Victoria Connors. Um, I found her on Instagram. A shout out to our listener who suggested uh, we interview her. I have forgotten your name right at this second, but I'm really super excited by this. So hi, Victoria. Welcome to Art Supply Posse. Hello, everyone. Um, so I'd like to start with my favourite question, which is who is Victoria Connors? Well, I am a nature lover, worldwide traveler, fiber artist, and dog mom. I like it. I like it. Worldwide traveler. That sounds pretty cool. Yes, I like to travel all around and capture the beautiful moments with wool. Yeah. Do you, when you say worldwide, are you actually talking like you will get in a plane, go to another country, that kind of thing? Yeah. I'm actually yeah. planning a trip to um, Costa Rica pretty soon. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. That sounds very cool. Have you been to Australia? Seems that I'm Australian, I've got to ask. Uh, no, I haven't, but I know there's some plane tickets going up right now for sale. Oh, wow. Right now is a good time to travel, just so everyone yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah, it's a long way, but it's it's worth it. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but... <laughs> I'll have to put it on my list. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, so how did, how did you come to fibre art? How did it become to be your passion and the way you like to share the world? your world with people well it's funny story i wasn't really looking for anything new at the moment i started off in oil painting and i was volunteering in rochester and they were having a little demo so i walked in and participated and it was needle felting it was about like you know a half an hour demo and then i just really enjoyed it and i kept exploring the medium and then this was june 2014 in the summer by january 2015 i decided this is what i want to do full time mm-hmm. and i just took off from there so before before your fiber art were you like so you said you're working full time with this so does that mean you had a job and you were able to stop doing that job and just do this full time is that how that process went and slowly but surely but yeah so now I only work like maybe part time. I do this full time as career. I do art shows all around my area and throughout the United States. Wow, that's pretty cool. And I teach classes as well, which is a big part of my income. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you're kind of living the dream in a way. Yeah, a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned when you were saying when I asked you who you were that. You know, you like to share your love of nature in your art. So is is that what inspires you? Is it just everything is just nature inspired? Nature and life experiences. But I feel the most peace in myself when I'm sitting outside alone. Yeah. I live in the um, beautiful Finger Lakes areas of upstate New York. So I'm surrounded by a lot of large bodies of water and rolling hills. Mm-hmm. And then I take a lot of trips across and I really just – sitting there by myself and do my artwork outside plain air is what inspires me yeah so given that you are working with fiber which is wool which is you know 
well, I mean, wool's great. We wear it and it's it's pretty hard wearing and stuff. But how how is it working with a medium like that out in the open as opposed to being inside, you know, a studio or a room in your house or, or something like that? Like, like, are there things you have to be wary of when you're outside that perhaps might not be a, an issue when you are inside or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> feeling the wind, and once in a while I have a chipmunk or a bird steal some wool on me to bring through that. <laughs> happens all the time, more than I like than that. Um, pretty much I have to have all my colors assorted in little bags to keep the moisture from getting in on, to keep it from blowing away, and you have to work really fast. Have you just got used to working like that, do you think? Uh, pretty much, yeah. So it's just so now, like you're used to working that way. I take it. Like it sounds like you've gotten, like you've gone right. I, I'm happiest when I'm working outside. This how I want to work. So now I've got to do these things to make sure that I can work outside without being too affected by the elements. So right. is it you've accepted and this is part of this is a slight downside to working outside kind of thing, if that makes sense. Especially where I live right now, we're in a rainy winter season, so that's where traveling comes handy. But a lot of times I do little quick sketches, and I will um, do pieces in my studio based on memory or something I experienced during the off-seasons. Because uh, plain air felt is very physically intensive, so my body needs rest after making a large piece. So talking about that, can you share with us a little, like I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know much at all about fibre art. I know a little bit about needle felting, you know, to create little creatures as such. I had a play with that years ago. But, but what you do, I don't know anything about. So can you share with us a bit about that actual process? For those of us that know nothing and maybe some people might be having trouble, if they, especially if they haven't seen any images of your work yet, if they're only coming to you from listening to the podcast, can you share a little bit about that process so people can try and get an image of their mind of what it's actually like to, to make art that way? Because I think it's such a different thing compared to say as you said oil painting like you were doing or watercolor or do you know what I mean like it's a completely different thing in many ways can you share a little bit about that I'm going to do the best I can to share this in words because sometimes it's better just to show it yeah it is hard I have my woven wool it's already pre-dyed and then I have a you think of felt um craft felt but 100% wool. That's my canvas. Yep. And then I have it on a pad, a little felting pad. And then I take the felting needle and I poke, jab in, slightly stab and jab in every single dye wool as if I was painting it. And attach it to the canvas. And then I just mm-hmm. keep doing that with every color over and over again and every detail until I start making the picture. And when I'm doing it plain air, I'll have it all pinned down and I have all the colors in little bags to keep it from blowing away. And then there's another process called a wet felt-in, and that's where I take my bubble wrap, my hot water to soap, and that's the last step, and that flattens it and makes it smooth. Can you do that outside as well? Yes, I use a little camp stove. Oh. I just put the water on it and heat it up and use the soap and a sponge and I um, blot on it, and it helps to keep it from blow away if it gets more wet. Yeah. So I'll just yeah. do it outside, and then that's it. Well, that's it. <laughs> Make it sound so simple. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's really, really cool. 
So what you you mentioned there briefly that it's quite a it's intense physically on your body. What's the biggest piece you've you've made? The largest piece? Yeah. Oh, five feet, Grand Canyon. Oh wow. And I camped there for two weeks working on that piece and I got stuck in a couple of winter storms. It was just me and my dog. Uh-huh. So that piece was the longest um, and largest piece I've done so far. And I sat outside every day just working on the piece. Mm-hmm. And I put about at least five to eight hours a day. Wow. And that was a tricky one too because we got hit with some cold weather. Do you still have it or did you sell it? <laughs> oh, I sold that one actually just <laughs> recently during Christmas. So um, to a Someone who's been filing and collecting my art for a while, I was kind of sad to let it go, but hey, you gotta have that money. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? You put all that love and 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 work and hours into it, and 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 the intensity on your body, and then someone wants to buy it, which is great, but then it means it's gone. <laughs> right. That's why I never sell myself support when it comes to selling my art. I always try to make sure I get my time's worth, so I can go back out and make another one. Or do my next trip. So what's your preferred size to work with then? Like what's a good size? Oh, a good size is actually like, no, about a 16 by 20 because that's just big enough where it can fit in pretty much anybody's house. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone's just looking for something not too big, not too small. And it doesn't um, doesn't take me that long to do in in my studio or plein air. It's a good common size. Yeah. Because not everyone, you know, based on where you live, you live in a large city, so you don't have a large house. Yes, yes. Especially if I'm traveling. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. So what's it like to have to carry all that? So it's like how do you – does it all fit in your checked-in luggage or do you put it in carry-on because it's, you know, it's so – Precious to you, or what? How does what's it like? Well, luckily, when I um after I'm done with piece, since it's not on a canvas, I can just roll it up. Mm-hmm. Now traveling with all the bags of wool, that could be. I will sometimes uh, vacuum seal into the bags when I get onto my um and I do a check in. And people, I always get my bag search when I go on an airplane because I can just imagine what bags of wool look like through an X-ray machine. <laughs> so I always get that little notice, like, hey, you had to check your bag. <laughs> and sometimes it gets a little hectic because when I was doing my National Park Series, I was on the road for four months traveling across the United States, and all the different colors were getting all mixed in. So I just had these, by the end of the trip, I just had large plastic bags full of all sorts of colors and bits and pieces of wool. <laughs> So that part gets a little hectic, but I manage, and it really helps when I'm traveling someplace to actually have sheep or wool available, and I can just stop, re-up, and go. Mm-hmm. It's always a plus. So I have to so, ask you if there's sheep down in Australia. I know there is, a nice merino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have merino sheep, yes. Apparently they're very uh, they're very good quality, so I'm told. So, yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually live along, oh, I, I live near a uh, the largest river in Australia called the Murray River and it is quite beautiful at, at certain parts of the year um, and the sunsets out here are pretty spectacular too. So, uh, yeah, you might you might enjoy that maybe. <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah. So you said quick, you've got to work quick when you're working plain air. Do you... When you're working inside, are you working as fast as you would be if you're outside, or can you can you slow it down a little bit and because you're not having to beat the elements as such? 
oh, no, I can take my time in my studio. A lot of times when I work in my studio, you know, working on commission pieces, well, people just send me a photo of a place to enjoy or, you know, someplace to bend, and I'll just take my time working on it. Very different. Just relax. Mm-hmm more relaxing. Because a lot of people being outside is I could go outside to a spot one day, but the next day the sunset's better. So I'll just have to start adding in those colors versus when I'm in my studio, I already have an idea of what I'm going to do. I'm just thinking when you, when you're working on a piece, if you make a mistake, is there such a thing as a mistake? Is it, can you, can you fix something or is it, if you know, if it's not right, is that just too bad and that piece just can't be finished? Like, how how is that as a process? You know, I always um I always enjoyed needle felting a little more now than oil painting. Even though it takes longer to make a piece, it's more forgiving. If I don't like something, I could literally just start taking it out and then just add it into new pieces versus with oils I have to wait till it dries. Mm-hmm. With the needle felting, you know, it might take longer to make the piece, but if I don't like something I can literally just Rip it out, rip it all the back and felt back in the felt canvas, and then start over. Very forgiven. They don't have to look dry. Like once it's done, I roll it up and then I go. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Not, it's it's a uh, it sounds like a good medium to work with in many ways. Oh yeah, because it just takes longer versus an oil paint. I can sit there and yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. So you do um, exhibit your work. As you said, you know, shows and festivals and things. What's that like getting prepared for an exhibition? Well, I'll tell you about my last show that I just um, had last year that was the first part of my National Park series. That was mm-hmm. part one. And that show took me about two years to work on before I had it to where I thought it would be up to par to display. And pretty much just the, um, mostly there's a lot of questions about the material. So I try to have a mixture, have it all explained out. All my pieces, I put on a hat stiffener and protective coating. I iron it in, so that takes a while. That way people can touch them and dust them off easier. So it's just pretty much finding the theme and then just making it is the hardest part. Because like I said, it's very labor intensive. Make a larger piece. I have to rest for a day or two. My rest. That's pretty much the um, hardest part. Is just getting it done. And on my trip too, I got stuck in a windstorm and I ended up losing a few pieces. That was devastating due to wind. So it's always a lot of work to plan out a series like this. Like my next series, I'm planning on going out to the national parks again once. I figure out what's going on with my government if I can go out. And it'll probably take <laughs> me another year or so to do the rest of the national parks that I want to do to plan out the show. So do they this national park series, have you do you work with the actual like the parks themselves? Like not 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 them sponsoring you as such, but like are they aware of, of what you're doing, that you're creating art and it, it is based around the national parks? Is that something you've done with them or is it just all yeah, this is all on your own and they don't actually know what you're doing in there as an artist. So. Yeah, they're a little aware as I donated some money to them and I had an interview with a um, public uh, broadcasting out here in my area. It was a little national TV interview about 
what I do and about the National Park Series. But a lot of it I am doing it on my own, and then I just showcase and do a donation. A lot of the National Parks or Arts residencies, um, they actually want you to stay there and donate your work. I'd rather just keep going and keep traveling and just give them some money. And I love meeting all the different people all over the country. Do, do the people influence your work at all? Like, obviously, it's I'm not saying you're creating art of the people. Like, you're not making portraits of the people. But does do, do, do the feel of the town or the or, or the area, you know, the landscape, does that come in in the work as well? Like, does that make sense? Um, yeah, especially when I, um, you know, if you've been to the United States, it's very drastic from where I am on the east versus the southwest. Like where I am is very green, lots of lakes versus southwest is deserts and red and hills. No, so when I'm out there, um, I have a little bit more style to what I do. Based on where I am, the style might change up a little bit. Or um, pretty much just it's really just based on where I am. Like when I was in some western places, it was mostly all blue mountains. So I mostly focused on all the blue mountains, and that's what everyone enjoyed in that area. Whereas if I'm in the southwest, mm-hmm. it'll be a little more abstract landscape. That's what some people enjoy out there, and a little more, you know, free, just doing what they want. So that would require a little bit of planning in terms of what colors to bring, or do you just bring it all and hope, and and then you know you've got everything. I do uh, plan out a little bit with my colors because I literally will bring pounds and pounds of wool with me in my car, just uh, all packed up when I go. Well, again, luckily when I travel, I tend to find areas where people are processing wool and I can buy up more materials if I need them and go. So you mentioned that you do um, you do workshops that you teach people fiber art. Can you share a little bit about like about the process, what what's involved in case anyone's interested or knows, you know, would like to give it a try themselves. Oh yes, well, I uh, one of my favorite students actually, my favorite type of classes to teach actually is going to schools and teaching younger kids art and showing them like, hey, you can actually make a living as an artist. So that's one of my favorite. And what I do is I pretty much just introduce people to all the materials, you know, like the different types of wool, like just craft wool and then merino wool that's more for wet felt and wearables, a packer, and um, there's actually several different types of um, felt to needles too, based on what you're doing. Like I know how you were mentioning you did little 3D sculptures. There's needles that work better for that than they do for uh, so I go over that and then I literally have my students all make a little piece and I just like make the piece with them and guide them through it so I'll just pretty much just go through all the materials and then I just have everyone create a piece of artwork with me so is it a is it a smallish class that you take when you're teaching or is it you know just a handful of people or it varies um the last role I went to and taught I had five classes um from <laughs> Yeah, five classes. They had about, oh, 10 to 20 students each, and they went from eighth grade to seniors. And then I just did a workshop at a gallery, and I had six retired teachers. It's a small little group, and, and they wanted to learn the process. I can go take it back to their class and teach them, which I always enjoy doing that. Yeah, that's nice that they're passing it on. Like you're, you're teaching it to someone, and then they're passing it on to students. That's quite nice. Yeah, and those are the... Um, the people that come to my classes the most are teachers wanting to keep learning and keep passing it on. 
well, that's nice to know that's happening. That's good. It's the sort of thing you want. Yeah, exactly. Because um, when I was growing up, you know, I didn't even know anything about cyber art or even it existed. So I like going to schools or knowing it. People are getting introduced to something new because you never know. I always tell people, never stop creating. You never know when you find your niche. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So if we think about the actual materials, your your wool and, and everything else, are there are there brands that you like to use or types of wool that's the best or, you know, brands of needles? Because we all like to know a little bit about what we're going into if we want to start something new. Can you can you share with us your favourite thing? Oh, yeah. So the, the two different kind of main wools I work with is your um, sheep wool, which is also called craft wool. And that's great for needle felting. It's a little more coarse, so it uh, does well with mm-hmm. the felt needle. And then merino wool, the fine wool, which you have a lot down in Australia, and that's really great for wet felting and just really nice to work with. That's probably my favorite wool. That's what I name my dog after. I named him Merino. And then um, for my felting needles... I go on, I get my needles right off of um, Etsy. I go to Heidi, Heidi Needles. It's just a place, I get my felt and needles from England. Uh, here in the U.S., felt, you know, needle felt is kind of making a comeback, but it's more popular in places like England. So I get a lot of material. Mm-hmm. I get my felt and needles from there. And then most of the, pretty much all the wool I get, I get in my local Finger Lakes area. We have a lot of sheep farms where I am. So let's drive around to different farms and just see what they have and what colors, and I get get it from there. And I suggest anyone to pretty much, you know, um, go on Etsy or the website. Just try to start off with just getting some regular sheep wool and some nice, don't, Get the cheap felting needles. Make sure you get the good steel ones. There's different gauges. The higher the gauge, the finer the needle. And then the um, lower the number, the more thick the needle. And that's where, like, the bigger details. That's an important detail to know. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, Do you think, like, if we think about a newcomer to fibre art, are they – is it something that can be taught, like, from watching, say, tutorials online – or are, they, or are people better off to actually get a hands-on experience learning it? Um, there is um, several YouTube videos out there. Everyone has their own little way of going about it. If you look up WXXI Arts in Focus, in Focus is one word, mm-hmm. and you can go on YouTube and look that up or Facebook under videos and look up my name, Victoria Connors. I do an interview where I show the process, both wet felting and needle felting. So I go over that process and a little bit about how I did it outside plain air. And then on YouTube, there's lots of videos. But really, like, you can watch a video, but until you really start working on it yourself, then you realize what works for you and what doesn't. Um, I'm going to throw in a, a little question that I've just just had a thought about, and it might be a tricky one to answer, but we'll give it a shot anyway because you just never know. Let's say there was some kind of catastrophe in the world and there was only one colour wool available to you to use for the rest of your life. What would what colour would that be and why? Hmm. <laughs> it's a tricky one. The one colour that I have the most of is blues. 
Like everything seems to be blue in my area. The skies are always blue. The waters are blue. I might, I might just have to go with blue because then I'll just have to figure out what to do. It's a lovely color. You can't go around with blue. There's something outside that matches it, and then I'll just have to figure it out from there. I guess. Yeah. Cool. No, um, I like that. I just, uh, I just thought I thought of that, and I thought I'm going to ask. I'm curious to know because. I know a lot of people tend to work with a colour more than other colours as well, you know, and it's just I just always curious to know why that is or why they like a particular colour or don't like another colour or something like that. Yeah, a lot of the colours I mostly um, acquire all natural colours. I literally have five bags of all different shades of blues and then little blues, light blues, dark blues, sky blues, lots of blues. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Do you so you don't you're not dyeing the wool yourself you're buying that already dyed yeah, yeah is that right? people in my area that raise their sheep and they dye it for me I do I am eventually and this is my plan this summer I'm going to be taking a sheep shearing class so my friends that have their own sheep and I'll be shearing them and then I will be processing and dyeing them myself a little part time. It's just my artwork is so intensive and takes so much time. It's hard for me to do all that too, but it is something I am looking yeah. into. Yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting. We'll have to keep an eye out and see how you go with it. Oh yes, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, is there anything else you'd like to discuss, Victoria? Something we haven't talked about, or we haven't we have you know we haven't gone over at all? Well, no, not really. I'm just really looking forward to doing my travels and keep doing what I'm doing and just keep getting better and building up my skills. Uh, like I said, I want to continue with my natural park series and even plan a trip to Alaska. So, um, some of the largest natural park reserves and nature reserves are up there. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's about it. That sounds pretty exciting. I, I'll definitely keep our eyes out for that. That would be um, That would be really different to be working there. Oh yeah. Well, definitely, guys, check the workout. It's it's absolutely amazing. I, I just uh, yeah, what you create is just beautiful, just fantastic. Thank you so much. So, Victoria, the best place for people to follow you is that on social media or on your website, or where where's the best place for people to find you and what you're doing and what you're up to? Well, I have Instagram. Facebook and my website. It was really up to them. Um, my website, I just post the pieces when they're finished versus my Instagram and Facebook, I'll post like the process, you know, as I start a piece yep. and where I'm going. But the, if you don't really have access to any of that and you just want to see the final project and where I'm going to be, my website. I've got you on my Instagram and I'm definitely keeping track with what you're doing because I just. It's just amazing. I just had no idea that you could do that with wool. Like, you know, when I think of wool, I do. I think knitting. That's where my brain goes. So it's um, it's just an amazing thing. Well, thank you. Do you have my website and everything? We'll put all of that in the show notes. So we'll have links to your website and your Instagram and Facebook. Um, that way people can, you know, see your stuff um, as well. And, yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you so much well, thank you for the opportunity you have a good day now i got to plan a trip to australia all that merino wool down there and- oh, yeah. yeah definitely it's um yeah it's beautiful it's um and look there are there are like any any country there are places that aren't exactly the prettiest in the world but there are some really beautiful spots here as well so um I just got to watch out for all the snakes. I'm not the biggest fan of snakes.
Uh, no. Well, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, the, it, it depends on the time of year. It's like anything, I suppose. I, to be honest with you, like we're in a, where I live is, is like quite rural. Um, and I'm just trying to think the last time I saw a snake was probably like three or four years ago and it was on the road because it was getting sung, you know, like you don't, I know that everyone was, Australia, they think, you know, we've got the 10 deadliest snakes or whatever it is in the world, which is true, but it's not like you just, you know, you don't walk down the street and see them and <laughs> and they avoid they avoid us more than we avoid them, I think, because they really don't want to have to uh, deal with humans if they don't have to. <laughs> Some of the greatest wildlife videos I've seen all came from Australia. That's what, that's what I enjoy watching. So I'll just have to <laughs> 